Hello and welcome to Her Fantasy Football, the bonus track. Today we are going to pick the brain of Russell Baxter of Pro Football Guru. In fact, he is the Pro Football Guru. So how are you, Russell? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited about the things you're doing and uh, very excited to be on tonight. And uh, hopefully I can answer a question or 30. <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> you flatter us. I like it. Oh, yeah. We totally sent out this email that was like, here are some questions. And it was like, bleh, tons of questions. Uh, no, you know, because here's the deal. I was lucky enough to meet Russell face to face. Well, first of all, we found you on Twitter. You found us on Twitter, actually. You're one of our first followers, which was Thank you. Amazingly generous. We're so happy about that, and we will always remember it. And you have over 32,000 followers, which is crazy. But, you know, we first met um, face-to-face at the draft, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for to have you on the show. At the time, we didn't even know how to do that, which I think is really important that you were, like, the precursor of, we want you to be on it. We don't even know how. So um, we're just really, really excited to have you. And we just I, you had so much information that I was like, I could ask you questions all day. We're not going to keep you all day. And, and right now it's nighttime for anyone who's wondering. So we're not going to do that. But we're <laughs> this, this time. We're going to send time. a spreadsheet next interview. Right, definitely a spreadsheet because I love spreadsheets. Multiple choice yes, I answers. Get the feeling, I get the feeling this is the abridged version. <laughs> it is. It of really the is. SAT. <laughs> this yeah. is the ACT light version. Is what this is. Right. Yeah. My mother would be proud. My dad or my dad would shake his head. He'd be like, oh, um, yeah. So here's my question for you. All right, Twitter. You are the best Twitter person maybe ever. And and I don't know if everyone knows this, but you, you have to follow this guy. He tweets out so many facts. It's unbelievable. Like every day it's like, this is the countdown to how many days to kick off. And then there are people that had that number or, or things that happened with that number. I mean, it could be just like this crazy thing with this number. The crazy thing is that when we met, I realized it's all in your head. You were just literally saying these things. So it's it's crazy. But let's just talk about Twitter first. So how do you think that this has like changed the way that you can interact with fans and put your information out there? And how do you think it's kind of changed being a fan in general, having that access to that kind of platform? Well, that, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, you know, to me, Twitter is like a 24-7 chat room in yes. some ways. Yeah, and, totally. um, you know, I think I've had whatever kind of success with it. And it's funny, I mean, you know, going back a couple of years, I remember joining Twitter, I think it was getting ready for a draft one year. And um, really didn't, I was on Twitter for two years and never tweeted anything. And I started, you know, I started picking up followers and I really didn't understand all that much about it. Yeah. Um, And then I began to learn and it was almost tailor made for me because I'm a facts person. Um, you, You rarely, if ever, will you see me voice a very strong opinion on Twitter. And that's not to dodge things, but these are the forums um, when you talk with somebody mm. that you can voice those opinions, okay? Much can be um, confused, misinterpreted, um, deciphered wrong in 140 characters, okay? And I'm very careful not to do that. Um, you know, it's not that I don't answer questions, it's not that people don't try to put me on the spot every once in a while, and not in a bad way. Um, but I like to stick to facts because facts are something that I think Twitter is kind of made for. Because if you're sitting around with your friends, and you know we're now in an age now that you know, what's our first instinct to do now is is to pick up our phone in the morning and read. And um, it's it, you're in yep, a supermarket, yeah. you're reading while you're shopping. Um, you know, where you're at work, you're reading on the verge of getting fired. Um, you know, <laughs> you're constantly looking at your phone. I mean, let's let's fa- face it. That's what you're doing. And I find that having those little factoids always makes for for good conversation. That's why I've you know, I'll do stuff like the schedules for each team. And I've made it with abbreviated wise, whereas you can. I tweet out 32 schedules and people ask me, why don't you just put them all on one page? I said, because if you're a fan of a team, 
say you're a fan of the Ravens or you're a fan of the Bears, you're going to save and favorite the Ravens or the Bears schedule. You might not care about the other ones, okay? But anytime you feel like you can just go back and say, oh, here's their schedule. So there's a little method to the madness. And again, I try to stay very, very factual with the information. I say, and listen, there's tons of facts. And uh, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily get the perspective that you want, but that's what my writing is for. I need to take a page out of your book because I can't help myself but express my emotions. <laughs> well, it's listen, terrible. I have no problem expressing emotions. Don't, don't get me wrong. But again, um, I, I, I think you have to do that verbally. I feel and like you I, do call out the trolls, though, a little bit. Oh, I do. You There's do. No it's pretty it. good. I, I, yeah. do not, I do not appreciate anybody who tries to demean another person, okay, in any way. I mean, people think yeah. they're funny sometimes. What's, you know, like, for instance, I'll do the countdown. And I had, you know, we did number eight, okay, th- this week. Or I should say today, this week. Today was number eight. Troy Aikman, Ooh. Steve Young. Okay, who's the greatest number eight? I mean, they're certainly in the uh, picture. Um, I was surprised that no one said Ray Guy, who just went into the Hall of Fame. But I had somebody who doesn't follow me tweet Kyle Bowler. Okay, now (laughs) this person, Uh, I guess, thought he was funny. Yeah, I don't find that funny. I find it demeaning to Kyle Bowler. Why, Why would you take a cheap shot at somebody who did something that you can't do? Okay, and I'll, listen, I, I've got one standard rule with Twitter. If I tweet it out, that means I'll say it to you. Okay, and I doubt this guy would walk up to Kyle Bowler and say, "What do you, you know?" Demean him? Do you think he would? Um, no. The answer would probably be once, if even that. If Nobody even does. that, but if even if he did, I would go out on a limb and say it'd be the last time he ever did it. I will say, though, sometimes I like when people just say crazy things like the guy who said he would buy all everyone on Twitter a drink if Michael Sam sacked Johnny Menzel and made the cash money sign. You know why? I mean, that's, that's, that's hilarious. A, that is hilarious <laughs> it's, because it's harmless. Right. Oh, yeah. Not demeaning at all. What I'm yeah. saying is like, that's how you do it, people. Yeah. You that, say something that's ex- crazy. Listen, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, there are people who say certain things and it could be non-sports and i like you know to me it's it's fun to go back and throw a little one-liner again not to insult anybody okay i mean you're to sit behind a computer or sit behind your phone and just cheap shot somebody you're a coward okay that's a coward that's that's you know throwing the grenade and ducking into the trench and you don't care where it lands but you know you're going to hurt somebody Okay, I uh, nothing bothers me more than someone intentionally hurting somebody. Okay, I mean that really rubs me the wrong way, and the the possibilities are certainly there with Twitter to do that, to say something abrasive and rude and so on, and then figure you have no accountability whatsoever. I think that's why people have to be careful with the responsibility of it. But again, I stick with facts. I tweet out my stories. I send out my links. Um, you know, to the to the to my pieces and to my Facebook page, which is a pro football guru. I have two Facebook pages. One is a professional page. It's just a matter of using it responsibly. But I love the interaction. And um, I also get that chance to interact as well when I do pieces, especially for Bleacher Report, because we have a comment section in there. And um, I often get a lot of compliments from um, readers, uh, as well as, you know, other people as well in, in, in terms of being very active. I mean, I like, I like to talk football. So if you want to talk football, you came to the right place. <laughs> Great. Well, speaking of Twitter, so your followers got to experience the hall of fame through your eyes. Now you go every year, correct? Yes, I have attended with the exception of a couple of summers. I could not make it. I want to say I've been there 23 times over so the last five years. So what is it that you love so much about the Hall of Fame? It's a well, really emotional I, night, which is great. So what, what uh, is it that you take away and that you love from it? Well, it, it's funny. Um, you know, when I first the first year I went was 1989 and the class was Art Shell, Willie Wood, Mel Blunt and Terry Bradshaw. Um, the ceremony was totally different. It was held on the steps still at the time on Saturday morning. Um, 
ceremony over, you walked over to the stadium and they played the game in the afternoon. Uh, the game is almost secondary, to be honest with you. Um, but th- this is a weekend for families. And I love nostalgia. And, you know, in the early days, it was guys who I watched growing up. In the latter days, it's now guys who I've watched get drafted and then go into the Hall of Fame. And even more recently, I've had my share of people who I watch draft, get drafted, play, and then wound up working with in the profession. Yeah. Um, Bill, Bill Parcells, uh, Derek Brooks, Chris Carter. Um, I'll tell you a real funny story about Aeneas Williams, who I got to see for the first time in about 13 years when I was in Canton um, uh, earlier this month. Um, I worked on a show with him. Um, uh, was I want to say it was Super Bowl 34 in Atlanta with the Rams and the Titans. Got to know him a little bit. Um, well, six or seven months later, when football season started, and Aeneas was calling my extension at ESPN, where I was working at the time, and he always had a Friday night trivia question for me. And I was, okay, you know, listen, I love trivia. Happy to help. Clearly. I would you never know. play yeah. trivia against you. But if no. you were on my team, I would love it. <laughs> Listen, we can negotiate a price. Um, so I would always send the answer back. Uh, fast forward to April of the following year, and Corey Chavis, uh, who people remember as a defensive back with the Cardinals mostly, um, was working the NFL draft with us. He's a big draft, Nick. I went up to Corey, and I told him, listen, I got I, I got to tell you something, because um, I you know, I, I really don't know what it was about. I said, I'm more than happy to help, but Aeneas, Aeneas who was his teammate, was calling me every Friday about a trivia question. And I didn't no sooner got the word trivia out than Corey went, I knew he was getting the answers from somewhere. And <laughs> I found out, the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness, he's he's making a bet with the other defensive backs. And I just been screwing this guy that I'm working with right now. Oh, As man. it turned out, all the defensive backs had a trivia contest with the secondary coach. So they would get, all get the question, and Aeneas would call me and always have the answer. If I didn't know it, I could find it. Um, so Corey and I had a good laugh of it. Well, fast forward to about three weeks ago. I'm in the press box in Canton, and here comes Aeneas. And again, I have not seen him nor talked to him since he was calling me more than a decade ago. And I went up and reintroduced myself. He remembered me, and I told him the story about Corey and all that. And we had – quite the laugh. And I mean, he's such a passionate man. If you saw his speech, um, you know, he loves life. Um, he has great perspective about life and to have that conversation. With him, and I also got to see Derek a couple of times who I worked with at ESPN for a couple of years. You know, it's kind of exciting for me to watch that now people who, you know, you consider colleagues and or friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting that greatest honor, probably the most emotional um, moment I can remember is just in recent years with Shannon Sharp going into the Hall of Fame. Now, I worked with Sterling for eight years, who's Sterling, a lot of people would say, you know, maybe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, even though his career was cut short right. by injury. And I got to spend some time with Sterling the night before his brother was actually inducted. I, I can tell you this the inductions are phenomenal. The jacket ceremony on Friday is not to be missed. And it's it's absolutely fabulous. And to watch Sterling put that jacket on his brother Shannon was just incredibly moving. But the next night, when Shannon got up on the podium and and declared, I'm probably the only guy in the Hall of Fame who's the second best football player in my own family. So sweet, wasn't it? With his with his brother sitting there. Yeah. And I get I get a little choked up because I love Sterling. I mean, he's such a he's a great guy and all that. And to see that emotion um, and that love with two brothers. Um, and that's that's the stuff that it, it's about the player and it's about the family and the sacrifices the family's made to watch somebody, you know, be great and sometimes not be able to spend a lot of time with them while they're being great. And um, and now it's the time to say thank you. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, obviously this is an emotional thing for you. And when did you know that football was your calling? Well, they never called me. I well. actually called <laughs> I kind of called them. And 
<laughs> all right, all right. You know, I, I, it, <laughs> I, I, it was funny. Um, I think it was like in the late 70s. Uh, I lived in Pennsylvania, and you know, back in the day, we saw a lot of Eagles games. We saw a lot of Steelers games. You saw the Monday night game. Football on television back then was totally different um, than it is now. And um, you know, in the 70s, the Steelers were in their heyday. Um, the Dolphins were still very, very good. The Raiders were excellent. The Cowboys were always the Cowboys. The Viking back in the 70s, for the most part, you had six football teams that were really, really good always. And it was the, the Rams, Vikings, and Cowboys in the NFC, the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Dolphins in the AFC. And more times than not, they'd all either face each other in the playoffs or in uh, the Super Bowl. Or um, and and it was it was amazing stuff. And and you look at the that era, and it was you know phenomenal. I just kind of fell in love with the game, and uh, eventually decided to make a writing career out of it. You know, basically without a college education, I just <laughs> you know I know a lot about football because I'm going to write about it. And I started doing my own newsletter and it morphed into other things. And it got me a job in New York with a guy named Howie Schwab, um, who people will know as Stump the Schwab from the ESPN days. And Howie helped me get up to ESPN. And, um, you know, I spent more than two decades there. And now I'm doing my own thing. And I'm still having a ball. I mean, I'm still the kid in the candy store. And, uh, you know, the, the best, you know, the best thing about being a writer is what? when you retire, you write. Yeah, Very true. Yeah. And people say, oh, when are you going to retire? Why? What do you think I'm going to do when I'm retiring? Never, never go on my keyboard again. <laughs> I'm going to write about what, you know, a, a writer is a writer. A writer is a writer. But, you know, on top of that, it's such a ridiculous question today because everyone does everything on a computer. Like you literally can't retire from your computer. My grandmother-in-law is so active on my Facebook page. You know, it's just, <laughs> she really is. She's more she's, active than I am on Facebook. It's yeah, crazy. She's, she's really into it. But, you know, cuz like, yeah, like you said, you don't you don't retire from interacting with the things that you care about. Right. And well, if I'm not right if I'm not writing football in 20 years, I'll be writing about my family and and my experiences and what a lucky person I've been. Well, and it's fun. So it's easy to write about things that are fun. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Well, I don't plan on doing anything that's not fun. <laughs> that's right. Life's too short. It is too short. And so am I, by the way. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> so speaking of fun, what are 10 fun facts that would help fantasy football players in the 2014 season? Don't invest a lot of money. Um, nice. No, I'm just it's kidding. No, I agree. I agree. That's what this show's about. We're about fantasy football. I think uh, I'll yeah. give you a few. I don't know if I necessarily have 10. I, I, I will say this. First off, keep it in perspective, okay, um, and understand that it's a game and it should be fun. I know people have a tendency to take it very, very seriously, and they get ups, upset with players who don't score touchdowns, and they watch guys you know, get stopped at the one-yard line, and someone else comes up and scores the touchdown, and it, it ruins their day. Um, for about three weeks, um, you know, so, but I, uh, what, what I, uh, to me, just do your homework. There's a lot of luck involved. I mean, I, I know I'm not a big fantasy baseball person at all. I enjoy watching baseball, but I really don't understand fantasy baseball, which I think is more of a seasonal thing. Whereas fantasy football, there, I think there's even more of an element of luck in it because bye weeks and injuries and you could, it's funny. I've been in leagues where I probably by year's end had more points than anyone. But I probably had a losing record because it didn't necessarily have the luck of who you played that week. It's exactly. Rough. So rough. that's why that's the difference and so on. So there is an element of luck, but there's also an element of skill. I mean, you've got to know who the players are and so on. Um, you know, it, it's I, I think the other thing I can probably tell you is don't overthink it. OK, and I mean that in the sense that sometimes, you know, you hear people, well, I'm going to take this quarterback because they plan on losing every week and they're always going to be behind. So they're going to get a lot of yards. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. But for anybody to tell me what a quarterback's going to do four months from now, that's pretty phenomenal. Please send me the Powerball numbers. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. I completely I think this whole ease of schedule thing is always wrong. Like, supposedly oh, the Broncos had the easiest schedule last year, and then it ends up San Diego and Kansas City were in the playoffs. Like, it, 
There is no easy schedule in the NFL. Let, let me tell you how the schedule was set up. Okay, starting in 2002, the NFL schedule was set up on an eight-year rotation. The goal was not to balance necessarily everything out. By the end of the eight years, every team in the league would have played each other home and away at least once. That's what the schedule is. There's always the misconception of the last place schedule or the fifth place. Well, first off, there aren't five places anymore. Okay, every division has four teams. Every team in each division has 12 identical opponents. Okay, 12 of the 16. Only two games are decided by how you finished. Two of the 14. So it's dumb luck. I mean, if right now, I mean, do you think it's any coincidence that the four quote unquote easiest schedules belong to the four teams in the AFC South? <laughs> yeah, no. And do you course. think it's any coincidence that most of the difficult schedules belong to the teams in the AFC West and the NFC West? Because they're playing each other this year. So there's an element of luck when it comes to that. OK, you, I mean, obviously, you're going to play your divisional opponents and that's six games that you can count on every year. I mean, but, the you know, the Raiders, along with playing, think about the Raiders. They play six games against three teams that went to the playoffs last year. They play Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona, who all had at least 10 wins. Okay. Um, Where do you you think their schedule is going to rank? Yeah, and and unless a team implodes. I mean, like the year that Indianapolis couldn't win a game because Peyton Manning got hurt. I mean, things happen. You thought that was a tough schedule, and then Indianapolis beat. Ended up being an easy win. I mean, it's just so unpredictable, like you said. It's well, just, I mean, it, I it, mean was like the, it was the point I was making about Super Bowl weather. I've, I've made it several times. When the Super Bowl was announced in New York, I heard all the hemming and hawing and complaining and the weather and the snowstorm that was coming and the blizzard and the ice age and the woolly mammoths and um, <laughs> all those different things that were going to show up in New York and ruin the Super Bowl. And all I could think of was, you know, I'm listening to people who are predicting the weather three years in advance. And none of these guys can pick a game on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah. Well, a woolly mammoth showing up would have been the highlight of the Super Bowl. That would have been. Yeah, but the problem was. <laughs> liven up that party. Liven that bad boy up. Well, here, here's the problem. If the woolly mammoth would have showed up, the ball would have wound up getting snapped over his head, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no one could catch that bad boy. That was brutal. <laughs> brutal way to start a game. Ugh. So let's let's talk about this preseason that's just been happening. I'm going to say happened because the fourth game is really about cutting down the roster, right? I mean, I think yes, it is. All agree. There will that. be some. There were some decisions that will be made based on, um, and the roster this year, is, as you um, as you know, um, ten people on the practice squad instead of eight, which is you know that's exciting, isn't it? That's a big change. I mean, it's not. Big think change. about it, it's not that long ago that was five. Okay. So additional sixty-four players are going to get a shot. Right. Well, that practice and in the practice squad is very, very interesting because, as you know, you can be signed to the practice squad, but at any one time, a team can make you an offer and sign you off of a team's practice squad. So, just because you put them on the practice squad doesn't mean you're necessarily going to keep them. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I feel like it's know, more opportunities for guys to play. That's the way I look at it as well. Absolutely, and it also helps these guys that are injured when the yep. doctor says you can't come back. I think this is a good way to, to keep people off the field so that they can repair. But anyway, I, as far as the preseason is, you know, it happened and is happening. Uh, what does a fantasy player, what would you tell a fantasy player to look for in these games? I think for, for preseason what you're looking for more than anything else is rookies or newcomers and how they fit into their new teams. And it doesn't mean necessarily numbers. It's almost how they fit in. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you know all their habits and body language, body language, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's how they you, listen. You, you get we get surprise rookies all the time, but you can kind of get a sense of how pivotal or not pivotal they're going to be as rookies. We know who the established stars are, okay? Um, You know, Matthew Stafford isn't all of a sudden going to just start throwing the ball to Eric Ebron and ignore Calvin Johnson. We know that, okay? So, I mean, that's the – and that's what I think you use preseason for. Um, It gives you a grasp of 
um, the quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks that are changing teams. Um, you know, it, I, there's a lot of different things to look at. I mean, it, offensive coordinators, new systems. I think there were 12 new offensive coordinators installed this year. So is this team more of a running team, more of a passing team, more of a balanced team? So that's it, 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 listen, it's it's pretty simple homework. And you don't the one thing about preseason you don't want to look on is don't go wild with the stats and certainly don't go wild with the results. Okay, case in point, um, the New York Giants are four and zero this preseason. Oh, it's unbelievable. Okay, <laughs> I, I I'm going to focus the whole show this week on the Giants, and they're not even my team. It's unbelievable. Anyway, right. sorry. So I mean, you can't get <laughs> caught up. You can't get caught up in the win loss records of team. But I and but I'm going to give you a non foot non fantasy football fact about the preseason that I don't know why it's held up, but it has. Um, we've had 48 Super Bowl champions. Um, only once in 48 years has a team gone winless in the preseason and then won the Super Bowl the same year. And that was the 82 Redskins during a strike year when there was only nine regular season games played. So I just <laughs> throw that out there. So it's almost like you you can do what you want during the preseason, but you don't want to lose them all. And again, I don't know what that means. OK, I just know it is a fact. And it's it, it's a pretty interesting fact, because then I look at the team like the Seattle Seahawks, who, you know, Pete Carroll plays the preseason like the regular season and he plays a regular season like the postseason. OK, I mean, right. he never takes they lost to Denver in the first preseason game and they have taken it out on the Chargers and the Bears. Unbelievable, the right? In a big way. But if you look at the way. They play. I believe they were undefeated in the preseason in 2012 and 2013, and pretty much none of those games were close. So, I mean, he puts the pedal to the mat. Everybody has a different philosophy. But again, I think you look at the preseason for a chance to get acclimated to new faces and how rookies will do, how they will fit in, maybe how they will not fit in. And those, you know, picking up rookies, as you can tell, or, you know, listen, rookie wide receivers don't usually have big years. Rookie running backs a lot of times do. Rookie quarterbacks now in this day and age, you see more rushing touchdowns from, you know, from, from the mobile guys um, and, and even sometimes from the not so mobile guys. I mean, like Geno Smith, for all his 12 touchdown passes and 25 turnovers last year, ran for six touchdowns. I mean, so there's something to be said for that. You're touching yeah. on all my sleepers. It's like you and I are sharing a brain right now. I love it. Literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that's, you just summed up preseason watching. So did I get an A or? Yeah, my SAT scores for you went way up as a judge. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, how, so it's a little bit different. So when let's say when you're talking specific traits or behaviors, you know, what are you looking at as far as evaluating the talent on a team at the beginning of the season? Is it similar traits? I know you're not looking at stats per se. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's similar traits. I mean, I think it, I think, listen, the element of luck in fantasy football a lot of times is, you know, you know who the good players are. And again, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have won their season totals in terms of points and don't necessarily fare great the other way. So the one, if you're going to be good in fantasy football, you got to work at it a little. I mean, you really got to pay attention to your roster. And I think I'm guessing not everybody necessarily has the time to do it because, you know, for the most part, you know, the good players on the good teams are going to be the ones who help you obviously um, during fantasy football. Um, I think it's also interesting in the recent years. I know it's always been very vogue to go with the running backs in the first round and you can wait to get your quarterback. But I don't know if you necessarily could do that. You know, when a guy throws 55 touchdown passes, yeah. um, you know, I, I, you have to consider him for number one. OK, when a guy like Aaron Rodgers throws 45 touchdown passes and also rushes for a bunch, you have to consider him. In the first round, you know, so that added dimension of being able to throw and run. And again, it depends <coughs> on your scoring system. Um, you know, that's that's a big thing now. There's a, there, there's no question about it because the game has changed to what it even was five or six years ago. I think you have to, you know, maybe change your, some of your draft approaches as well. And don't say, well, 
I'm definitely waiting for my quarterback. There is no definitely. Okay. If you can ignore 55 touchdown passes, God bless you. We've been preaching this all off season. I mean, elite is elite is elite. We share a brain. I'm so into it somebody. I heard somebody say that we, we share a brain. In fact, I know what you're having for dinner later tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Is it wine and cake? Because you'd be correct. That was that. Well, then, then again, maybe we don't share a brain. (laughs) My husband, like, literally, has never asked me what I've had, what I had for dinner when he's not home. And he came home last night, the one night I had cake and wine for dinner, and was like, "Hey, what'd you have for dinner tonight?" And I was like, "Are you serious?" It's like he knew. It's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) We just started laughing. I was like, "Yeah, I'm a terrible person." I guess that I guess that tops Juji fruits, a bag of beef jerky, and 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 a diet coke. They're pretty close. They're pretty close. Yeah, probably same nutritional value. Well, (laughs) I I wanted to have you know uh, something. I couldn't. I figured having a sprite with beef jerky was wrong because you never want to you know have a white um, with meat. Yeah, you had more protein, <laughs> but I had carrot cake, so I had some veggie. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a little, a little fiber, time. a little fiber, a little sugar. They probably canceled each other out. That's how I, that's how I do. It's nice. But I knew all that because I share your brain. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, um, so the Seahawks, you brought them up. So I, they've just dominated this preseason. Is this a mirage or is this like the energy that's going to spill into the regular season? Because last year, Russell Wilson only had one rushing touchdown. He's had three in the preseason and he looks beyond good to me. And I'm not a Russell Wilson fangirl, just putting that out there, but he's kind of converted me. I think I'm, I'm back. I'm into this guy right now. So do you want to talk me off the ledge or on the ledge? Well, I knew you were on the ledge. Um, uh, it's it, Listen, Russell Wilson has been incredibly consistent. 26 touchdown passes each of the first two years in the league. Um, I think a lot of what happened last year in terms of not getting rushing touchdowns had to do with the fact that his left tackle, Russell Okung, no relation to me, um, missed eight games. Um, Brino Giacomini, who's now with the Jets, the right tackle, he missed seven games. Um, the biggest problem for the Seahawks last year was finding that continuity on their offensive line. So uh, we know they can run the ball. And it's, it's funny. Well, well, you know, what are you talking about? They're missing their offense. I mean, they were fourth in the league in rushing. Um, I, this just in Marshawn Lynch is an offensive line running the football. <laughs> so he can He's make up such a for, beast. But, yeah. but he that's the thing. He can make up for shortcomings or lack of continuity on your line. I mean Max Unger, the, the Pro Bowl center, missed some time as well. Yeah. So if you have a guy who can do that, um, he can kind of spell things for you. Then of course they came back and you know once they were on the field together for a while, the unit kind of gelled and so on. So I think maybe you see a little more of that from Russell Wilson, which is also now his third year. You know, it's it's interesting. He's not he's not the big rushing threat because he will hang in there and throw the ball. I mean, I remember the the Monday night game against the Rams last year when he got belted all over the field. But I think he threw two touchdown passes to the Golden Tate and they won the game 14-9. Now, listen, they'll give you a Super Bowl trophy if you win 14-9. Yes, they will. You know, it's not a, they might not necessarily give you a fantasy trophy. For fourteen nine, but I mean, this, listen, the Seahawks are, are a team with brass knuckles. Okay, uh, they're physical, and in this day, listen, physical football always wins. In this day and age, physical football really wins because, f- frankly, teams are probably not as physical for a lot of different reasons as they were, you know, maybe even ten or fifteen years ago. Totally agree. Well, it's funny because I was going to ask you about offensive linemen. Our podcast is funny. We talk about kickers and people that other people think are inconsequential, including linemen, but they really are so important. But I'm going to skip to the next question then, which is going to be about fan is this the Is this the essay part or? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> well, we just, I just love offensive linemen. I love them. But so you have a great series of articles on your site and on fan cited about how each team could reach the playoffs. So what are three things that you think fantasy owners should do to get to the playoffs? Because as we said, sometimes scoring points isn't all it. Some of it's just luck. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are some things they can actually do to kind of semi-insure getting into the playoffs? Um, For me, 
uh, I don't think you can underestimate, depending on your scoring system, um, the impact that defense slash special teams can have. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I listen. You can you know can look at the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Offensively, they were terrific, but I believe they had 11 return touchdowns yeah. last year. And you know, so I mean, you can't. You I mean, you, how could you not want to play them? Okay. Um, the, the second week is the the second thing is making sure that you are properly ready for bye weeks when you know you have to sit down a Manning, a Rogers, a Breeze, um, a Calvin Johnson, a Des Bryant, um, you know guys like that. I mean, I think that's very very important how you handle the bye week. I mean, injuries are going to happen, but I mean, I've seen more than one person not know that his quarterback wasn't playing. And and didn't have a adequate backup. And I think, listen, my philosophy, and maybe that's why I don't win (laughs) in the one league that I play (laughs) is I I really just believe in getting the best players. Okay, and again, I try not to overthink it more than anything else. But that defense and your kicker can be a real calling card. Okay, I mean, you get a kicker who's getting you 10, 12 points a week. Okay, I mean, it's now you and I are sharing the same brain because Brandon and I have this <laughs> argument all the time because I'm like, why wait on a kicker that will consistently get you 15 to 20 points a week right. for some running back that you will never, ever be on your starting roster at any point in time in the season is really just someone you drop to pick up somebody else. The debate right. isn't I mean, really a debate. It's that right. I can still get Steven Hauschka, who gets me 15 points a game in the final round. So I might as well just wait and get him there instead of. No, but that's two different questions. I'm not saying when you get them. I'm just saying that I think you you don't make it too much of an afterthought, you know, and that's why I I don't know if you if you want to wait till dead. I mean, I don't know if I'd wait till dead last to uh, not get Robbie Gould or Steven Goskowski, you know, or Matt Prater. I know he suspended the first four games this year. But I mean, think about the points those guys can get you, even if it's just, I mean, the, the Denver Broncos scored 76 touchdowns last year, which is an NFL record. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised Matt Prater doesn't have fatigue from being <laughs> out there that much, but I mean, it's, it's almost kind of like those little things you can kind of count on. Okay. Because the one thing you know about this league now, very rarely does a team get shut out very rarely. The numbers are way down in terms of a team actually getting shut out. It's true. Although it will be interesting now that they've they've pushed back, you know, the extra point to see. Well, no, that was just go for more. That was an experimental basis um, for the first two weeks of the preseason, which I think maybe down the road that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think they. And so it it will be interesting to see how that affects it. Oh, there's absolutely. I don't think there's any question about it. And I think it was a good experiment because the experiment took place in the preseason the first two weeks. Now, last week, everybody was back kicking um, from their normal distances and so on. But, I mean, I could see that happening. I I much prefer that than eliminating, you know, the talk of eliminating the PAT, okay, because, um, you know, you couldn't get back. Um, you know, from the refrigerator in time or whatever, you know, and you were bored with the PAT, (laughs) bored. Okay, it it is football. I mean, I would hope there's some sort of foot involved. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think think kickers, they're important. And frankly, they're scoring a ton of points in real football. So why wouldn't you pay attention to them in fake football? But uh, so here's the deal. Profootballguru.com. First of all, it's an awesome home base for all of your writing that you do, Just which, by the way, you write everywhere. So uh, we're going to ask you real quick just to tell us where we can find your work and um, and how you also feel like Pro Football Guru kind of helps get your message out there because it's been a really fun site to check in on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, writing for all the things I write to, I use it kind of almost as a way station. Um, and the thing I think I've been the happiest about in the in in the last year and a half is I've had people approach me about wanting to write and I give people a chance um, to have a voice. And, you know, the advantages of having so many Twitter followers is it's not that just your piece is going to be on the website. It's the chance to send it out to 32,000 people and yeah. then maybe 
25 more hundred on on Facebook. And anybody who knows me, I'm, I'm I have no problem promoting other people um, who work hard and are all just looking for a chance. Um, I, I tell people all the time, a byline is far more important than a paycheck early in your career. That byline is huge. Okay, don't write for anybody and not put your name on it. Okay, I mean you don't sign a blank check, do you? Okay, <laughs> not with no. my bank account. No, no, I know that because <laughs> I share your brand. Um, but uh, and I've had a chance to do that, and I have you know some regular columnists who do do things with me. Uh, and, and so on. But the fact that I'm able to do so many different things with so many national websites, Bleacher Report has been uh, phenomenal for me. The last six months, um, my goodness, I'm averaging well over a million readers per month, um, wow. just of my pieces alone. And the site is taken off phenomenally. It's a great product. Um, fan-sided, and uh, I do stuff with NFL Female. I mean, there's a, a lot of things. I have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, and um, you know, to be able to have one-stop shopping and I keep it pretty organized and, you know, I let, you know, I usually let an article marinate out there for about 12 hours before I actually put it on my site uh, because the key of putting it on my site is that it is automatically linked, um, to the original site. I mean, that's part of the deal. It's not that I copy the article and it's in two places. No, I mean, you may get a little snippet of my, uh, piece. Um, but there's always a link to go back to Bleacher Report or Fansided or Cold Hard Football Facts or whatever I'm I'm doing at the time. Um, but again, I also do some original stuff on there as well. Um, you know, it, it, it might be something small, um, you know, just kind of a almost like a brief editorial type of thing. Very rarely with those, but, it, you know, more factual and fun stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the way we we operate now. In, in, in the media in terms of yeah. uh, blogging and writing and um, social media and so on. And, and there's the good sides of it and there's the bad side, bad sides of it. But the, the fact that I have a home for all of my stuff and I everything I've written in the last three and a half years is on that site. So if there's an article you're dying of mine from August of 2011, let me know. I'll find <laughs> it for you. Okay. It's there. It's not lost. It's not lost. And if it's not there, I have the original. So I never throw anything out. Okay. So, but it's, I mean, it's fun. It's a labor of love. Doing this is a labor of love. Um, again, I, 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 who in their right mind has been doing this for 30 years and thinks it's a job? Yeah, exactly. Got to do something you love, right? Got to enjoy it. Well, I mean, I hear the word passion thrown out a lot. And um, to me, uh, it can be overused. Passion is not having a fit after your team loses a game. That's not passion. Right. Okay? That's immaturity. Okay? And letting it fester for three and a half years. I know Jet fans who haven't gotten over the AFC Championship game from 1982 because <laughs> Don Shula – I'm not kidding. Don Shula didn't cover the field and A.J. Dewey had his three interceptions. Okay, I'm being serious. That's 32 years ago. It's time to move on. They're still upset about it. Okay, that's not passion. I'm sorry. I don't think that's passion. Passion is loving what you do. Passion is caring about what you do. Passion is not obsessing over whether your team wins or loses, because after they win it all. What's next? Okay, what are you going to get up the next day and do? Complain that they might not repeat. That's not passion. I just don't. I don't think yeah. of that as passion. Okay. I think a passion is taking something you love, and um, fashioning it into something that you really, really enjoy, and wanting to be accurate, and wanting to be precise, and wanting to do the best job you can. I tell people all the time, um, everybody is right, but not everyone is accurate. True. Well, on a more fun note, if you played football, what position would you play? I said I'd be safety because I like to lay people out in the middle of the field. Oh. Brandon, she and I like the glory possibility of still catching a ball and running for a touchdown. It's the win-win. Brandon, I believe, wanted to be a defensive end. Brandon, was that correct? I'd be a linebacker. A linebacker. Um, I like to call the shots. 
What and would I'm, you be? I'm a little big and a little mean. Just a little bit. A little big and a little mean. I'm five hmm. foot nine and I'm a woman. Brandon likes to refer to herself as sturdy. <laughs> well, I, no like to refer to, I like to refer to myself as squatty. So um, I would be a middle linebacker. When I got a chance to play, I did not play football in high school, but um, it was funny. I was I was a member of the high school marching band. And I say this with reverence to the, the guys I went to school with. We probably had better athletes on the band than they did on our football team when I was <laughs> a junior and a senior. And I was one of those guys as I was if I got you, I wasn't letting you go. Uh, my friends would get mad at me because I would tear clothes. Um, never dirty. Okay, nothing appalled me more than somebody doing something cheap. And when I ran, you know, I would run the ball, you know, playing fullback and I just put my head down. And, you know, I I remember actually playing with a bunch um, with a bunch of guys going to back a while ago. And I, you know, I did not. um, None of us had equipment or anything, but I got pounded right in the nose. Didn't break it. Didn't break it. But I happened to be wearing a white flannel shirt, and you can figure out the rest. And I remember when when you when I got home, it didn't hurt, it didn't bother me. Um, but you know, it was it looked it looked like I had uh, you know let mom's gravy loose. Um, oh. oh no, <laughs> that's like the mom, most mom terrible was, description. And, 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 and listen, I'm part Italian, so you're allowed to call it gravy, okay? <laughs> Love You're allowed it. to call it gravy, okay? I know people are getting sauce, old school. My mom co- my mom cooked it for three days. It was gravy. Delicious. Now you're making me hungry. Yeah. Oh, this is my bad. mother. Listen, mm. I mean, Good cooking? Brandon, you got it. Oh, Brandon, you got a chance to meet me. That's not water weight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can. T- I, 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 again, I'll tell you a funny true story. Um, when I was working at ESPN, my mother came to visit several times and um, she cooked for the guys. My mother came up. Uh, she my mother came up with three trays of lasagna once. And uh, and I say this in reverence to her. You would think my friends never ate before. And um, I remember uh, I won't say who it was, but um, my I asked my mother what she thought of you know, visiting and so on. And she goes, oh, I, I really like your friends, but I'll never make a lasagna for them again. I was like, oh my goodness, who said something to my mother? And her, you know what her answer was? What? They eat it cold. You're not allowed to eat lasagna cold. Next year, I'll make meatballs and sausage and bring rolls and pasta <laughs> salad. And my mother did. They offended and the she, Italian. Can't do that. She did. And people chowed. Absolutely child. She was she was an amazingly um, an amazing soul. And uh, I real I think I got I probably got my passion for what, I, you know, my my father was more, um, you know, when you're the father of nine kids, um, you got to worry about paying the bills. And that's a big responsibility, especially, you know, back in the day. My mother always wanted me to follow my dream. She always told me I was going to be a writer and she was right. Um, she liked watching the path I went through to get to where I was going. Um, I remember the first time one of the shows I worked on, uh, won an Emmy. Um, my mother said, congratulations. My father said, did you get a raise? Um, (laughs) but my mother loved watching me be happy doing what I was doing. And that was the thing that she liked the most about, you know, coming up there a couple of times and trust me, my friends would have had her up there every year. At least once a year, because she was I mean, she was she was uh, when she passed, unfortunately, um, about 16 years ago, I told people, you know, just keep in mind. um, She just back to where she was born. She sublet it on Earth for 60 years. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? You are awesome. And you just gave us a lovely story about your mom and you're also doing lovely things with your t-shirt because it just, you're just the gift that keeps on giving Russell. So we've had a wonderful time having you on the show, but let's, let's, uh, let's follow this up with what's important to you and, and, and what, uh, the proceeds are going to half the proceeds are going to for the shirts. And do you tell our listeners how they can contribute and help support you with your passions? Well, I, I appreciate that again. Um, you know, we have pro football guru.com t-shirts, 
Um, you can go on my website uh, under the tab NFL uh, 2014 and you'll find them how to get them there. You're basically going to email me. Um, the shirts are $15 a piece, but three of the $15 um, goes to the American Cancer Society. That does not include shipping and handling some places. And I, I can tell you, we have sent shirts to San Paulo, Australia. Um, you know, people and I do them on giveaways for trivia and different things that we do. But again, um, we were able to raise well over $300 in the months of May and June um, just for the American Cancer Society. And one of my broadcast partners, uh, Andrew Fain, who does a show called Sports Infusion with Pamela Michelle, um, before we started, said he would match the proceeds. Um, so, we're, you know, we wound up with over $700 for May and June when it came to the T-shirts. And we continue to sell them. And, um, again, you can go on my website. But when we want to make it simple, it's russell at profootballguru.com. Email me. You can pay through PayPal. Um, tell me what size. We have six sizes, small, medium, large. And then the Super Bowl sizes of XL, XXL, and XXXL. So, you know, we have them for all, for everybody. And um, again, 20% goes to um, the American Cancer Society. And we're closing in, you know, soon maybe on a $1,000 contribution. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, Russell. It's been too long. I'm glad we figured out Skype. <laughs> yes. So that we could figure out. I was more. Interviews. I was more excited years ago when I discovered running water. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's also exciting. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so so much, and we're just so excited for the season that's coming up, and it's so great to have an you know a great journalist on here to just talk about what to look for, how to watch football, and and also you know live your life because you know what we're also living our lives. Yes. The side of that. So, well, uh, listen, you guys are off to a, a, a great start. And, um, you know, Brandon, I got a, uh, obviously a chance to meet you, as, as we told everybody. And Ashley, I know I'll be meeting you soon. Here's um, hoping. I one hope of these so. stairs, absolutely. You know, um, come to New York. I live in Connecticut. But come to New York. I heard they have a good restaurant or two. <laughs> and, and then we can uh, we can bulk up with our water weight, huh? Yes, we could. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That that was, is. I'll take that as a tribute to mom. My mom would appreciate that. I will. That. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> but thanks for having me on, and I hope we get to do this again real, real soon. And I'm excited for, for all of you, and uh, knock them dead. Oh, thank oh, thanks. you. You too. You too. Thank you so much. So, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this bonus track and you learned a ton and you are ready to go into the regular season and look at things like a pro football guru. So, thank you so much to Russell Baxter. Thank you so much to Ashley. And Courtney wanted to be here and I forgot to give her a shout out. So,. I guess that's the shout out. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. This is Her Fantasy Football. Make sure to check us out on herfantasyfootball.com and no more faking it. Hey.